Hello and welcome back. If you're listening, you're listening to Movies Last Night. Likelihood is, this is either going to be your new favourite podcast or it already is your favourite podcast. <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> hey guys, so who uh, who do I have today? Whose beautiful faces do I see on my Skype screen? I have Eric Abraham and Zach Stevens. So we've got the trilogy, the Holy Trinity in the house today. Yep, some people would say better than the Matrix. There you yep. go. Yeah, they, they would be wrong, but yes, they could say that. Um, guys, we're going to be talking, well, we'll get into it when we get into it. Um, Eric, did you want me to give you guys a spoiler-free review of Top Gun? Yes, yeah, I want, yes. I want to hear your experience with it. Okay, so if you listen to the last episode, I think it was the last episode, we talked about going to see Top Gun perhaps on Screen X, um, which is a a specific style of screen which I was unaware of. I didn't hear, I didn't even know such a thing existed until I listened to an interview with the director for Top Gun, Joseph Kaczynski, and um, he was explaining in the filming uh, process for the movie, what they did was they would send their actors in the the real F eighteen fighter planes would go up into the sky so there would be a pilot sitting behind them flying the plane. The characters, the actors who are playing the characters would be in the front part of the cockpit. So not only were they experiencing real live Gs or whatever that is, you know what I mean? Like the, the pressure, yeah. G-force. Experiencing all of this, but they would have to play their character against that, which is pretty fascinating when you think about it. Not only were they doing that, they were also in control of their camera setup. Now, each of these cockpits for these fighter planes had like a, a set of like rotational cameras set throughout. So they would have to make sure that they were on camera, the cameras were switched on, that it was picking up in a, suffice to say, they, they filmed like hundreds of hours of footage, okay? Now, benefit of this, and the reason why I'm going through it this way is, um, when they finished and started compiling the footage, they have a full a full view from the cockpit because of the amount of cameras they use. Now, ScreenX is this this technology that they push where you have a the cinema screen right in front of you and then to the right and to the left are also cinema screens. So imagine yourself, it's kind of like... Um, I mean, it's pretty much, it's pretty easy to describe. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's not anything crazy. You know what I mean? Is it curved at all? Is it like the screen's curved? No. No? It's not the cur- the screen has like a marginal curve on the on the left and right side, um, but it's not like a curved tr- like what you'd think of in like a theater screen. Okay. It's curved, you know. So basically, it forms like a box. Now, the reason this is important in regards to Top Gun is because they had so much footage of it that they could use it. So every time anybody or any characters inside of a cockpit, or basically any time the movie leaves the ground and goes into the air, they have full footage of everything. So when you're watching it, you can look to your right and you'll see actually what was being filmed outside the right of the camera. Mm-hmm. Likewise to the left, um, which extends the field of view dramatically. Now, it's rare in the case that they have like, I think it was an hour and a half's worth of footage in the in the movie is dedicated to Screen X, which is unheard of because most movies don't film like that. So a lot of times when you see a movie in, in Screen X, apparently it's like made up with CGI and they'll use colors and things to blend it mm. in. But this is like the real deal. Okay, so why is that important? It's important because I didn't realize I could have an experience in a movie theater like that because it is unlike anything else I've ever seen. I in terms of immersion, it's kind of out of control, specifically because it really works with this. Now, what else would it work with? It would work with a, any movie that takes place in a cockpit. So I could imagine that'd be pretty effective for a Star Wars movie with dogfighting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I could also imagine it being very effective for um, 
race racing movies. So like if you've got a decent racing movie, you know what I mean? Or a tank um, in a World War Two movie. A tank in a World War Two movie. Um, if they ever make a new Cool Runnings movie, they could do Cool <laughs> Runnings and Screen X. For sure. You know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. Um, so that's the, the, the setup for me going to see the movie. So I went to see the movie, okay? Um, I'm going to make sure I don't say too much stuff because I don't, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but I, my, my takes are a little spicy on this movie, so I don't want to get cancelled. And I don't want people to not listen to the podcast. So suffice to say, I think the movie is split between being garbage, like absolute <laughs> drivel, and then uh, when it's an action movie and it actually take to the sky, it, it it is arguably one of the greatest action movies ever made. Like, arguably. It is so fucking effective as is like a an action movie. And it's just because there's so much real footage that when they do use any CGI, it's almost impossible to tell what, what is CGI. So your immersion barrier never breaks. Mm-hmm. And it's unique in a way that there is nothing, literally nothing ever made that compares to this visually. Because it is just, it is so incredible and it's so well crafted. Um, so in terms of an action movie, I'd give it like an 11 out of 10. Yeah. In terms of like some weird, like 58 year old man, like boomer <laughs> porn, which is basically what the rest of it is. Yeah. It's terrible. It's <laughs> awful. You know, I just imagine in like, one thing to note is like, there was so many old people in the theater yeah. when I went, which is the first time I've seen that in forever. And I'm usually the oldest person in the theater or Eric is when we go. There you go. So like. Everybody looked like dads. It was just all full of dads. So it's bringing, it's crazy because it's brought out a whole demographic back to the movie theater, which is wild because like we go to the movie theater constantly and you don't see that many people older than us at the movie theater generally as a rule. Um, so the the demographic is, is raised. Um, and the, the movie is like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like wish fulfillment for like um, middle-aged men. And it's like kind of gross. And I, if I could take that away, but, even though I think that that side of the movie is not effective, I will say that everything that they've written into the movie in terms of how it follows on from the first movie mm-hmm. makes 100% logical sense and it's effective. So Val Kilmer's inclusion makes 100% logical sense. The um, emotional... Um, the uh, the emotional arc of the movie taking place, this isn't a spoiler, but between Tom Cruise and uh, Goose's son, um, who's played by Miles uh, Miles Teller? Uh, Miles Teller makes perfect sense. It literally makes sense. So everything they did a really good job of figuring out a way to tell the story like twenty, thirty years later, and it's very, very effective at that. Now, action aside, in which case I think the action is fucking superb. Take that out of it. There's one thing that this movie has going for it in spades. So the beginning of the movie you get a message from Tom Cruise, right? And he's on there and he's looking all fantastic for how old he is. And he's has a little bit longer. And it's like, hey guys, uh, thank you for sticking around. Like we spent a lot of time making this. And he goes, but we made this movie for you. And it's such a class act. He's such a, he's such a like a Hollywood superstar. And it's such a, it was like, it's very like, they, they know what they're doing. And, and it's obviously, he's aware of his persona as a movie star, mm. but the reason this movie works is because Tom Cruise believes in what he's doing so much. It's almost overwhelming. And what I mean is when you're watching him in the film, 
He's so fucking committed to the movie. There's, and this isn't a spoiler, but there's a there's a scene later on in, during a dogfight where they're being chased. Okay, and Tom Cruise is trying to outmaneuver these two other pilots from the opposing force, and um, he's so committed in it. There's parts where the the the, the, the airplane's like flying upside down and it's spinning and twisting, in just the way he's like moving the controller, like the joystick or whatever they call it, in the way he's like. It's hard to describe, but it's so convincing that he's actually doing it. And, and, and his passion for it is so convincing that you genuinely believe he is just using all of his skills to outwit the other pilots because he's just so, so committed. And it's it's really hard to, to describe what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But I think if you see, you'll know 100% what I'm talking about. Um. So I can't really give too much else away about it, but what I will say is I think if you can see it specifically in an IMAX or a larger format screen or preferably Screen X if you can, um, I think it's 100% worth it. Fascinating that they saved this movie and didn't release it, and it, it makes perfect sense when you watch it why they did not release the movie on streaming because this movie plays like gangbusters in a theater. Mm. It's built. It's like it's built in highly tuned big blockbuster cinema movie in a way that we just don't get far more than like the Marvel movies are or anything like that. This literally feels like it only will work in a movie theater. Um, and that's kind of rare these days. So huge recommendation for me. Like, I think it's, it's superb. So, so I'm, I had a question if, so you, you had, you had a, a great experience with the screen X. Does it change your uh, rating at all? If you just see it regular 2d, regular like yeah. Dolby screen. Mhm. I think it would I think it would look great on a Dolby screen. I think the movie's still going to play and the action is like very um legible. You can you can tell what's going on. It's not like a Michael Bay movie or anything like that. Um so you could follow it and be great. I just think that it's extra special in Screen X. Mm. It's very hard to describe. The first time an airplane takes off and the in the first time Screen X kicks in yeah. when you're sitting there you feel like you're in Disney World or something because you're like, holy shit, am I on like a, like a ride simulator? Did you it get, has that kind did of you get effect. nauseous at all? <laughs> no, not at all, no. which I was worried. I thought I might have done. But I think the reason you don't get nauseous is because you're completely still. Oh, okay. So you're not moving. I feel like if you had a combined Screen X with one of those 4DX chairs that are spinning around or whatever, yeah, yeah. nah, I wouldn't have been into that. <laughs> but like, you don't get, you know, you don't get uh, nauseous. Okay. That's yeah. uh, interesting. It's interesting. I still don't know if I'll go this go to see it. I don't know. I honestly, Eric, part of me, like I kind of wanted just to drive to your house and then throw a bag over your head and force <laughs> you to go and see it, because I think, I think you'd, if you saw it, I think just as somebody who loves cinema, yeah, I think you get so much out of it for the thrill that it is. Like I, it's an experience that you're not going to get anywhere else. Um, I really, really think it's worth it. I really do. Not to evangelize too much, but I really think it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the sound has to be great because I was watching uh, Watcher and I could hear Top Gun in the theater next to me, all the jet engines and everything. <laughs> yeah, it's very loud. So you know, it's the a sounds really loud good. Movie. Oh, yeah. It sounds great. Um, huge recommend. Huge recommend. And like, who knows? Maybe it's one day. I know Zach's going to catch it this week. If Eric, we can drag Eric along to it. Who knows? One day we might do an episode on Top Gun because um, there's there's plenty to talk about. Um, uh, yeah. Politically, the movie's kind of gross, <laughs> but other than that. <laughs> it seems like it would be a fun one to talk about at, oh, at, yeah. at the bare minimum. Yeah, for sure. 
for sure. Good nostalgia trip yeah. all around. So, yep, hi- highly recommended. Um, guys, what are we talking about today? Zach, you mentioned it there before. What are we talking about? Talking about The Watcher. Or Watcher, rather. I was going to say. Not the Keanu Reeves movie. <laughs> yeah. That, no, not to it, be It can confused. be very confusing on, on as we're talking about this, if people are unaware that there was a couple different movies called The Watcher, so... Yeah. Because the character, the guy, he is the watcher. So it's like, what do you, yeah. Okay, so we needed a theme for this episode, and we're going to talk about a couple of a couple of movies each. We'll go around a round table at whatever. Um, mo- uh, favorite movies about stalking, or like stalking-based movies, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, a subgenre of thriller sure. movies. Um because you do have st- you have your skills to stalking, you know what I mean? There's like stalking um, somebody you know and then stalking somebody you don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you can tell, I'm kind of researching it a little bit for myself. Um, so, guys, let me read this to you before we kick in because I think this is interesting, right? Did you know there's different categories of stalking, like defined legal categories of stalking? There's one, two, three, four, five, six, six, Okay. And these are uh, underlying motives, right? So I'm just going to read some of these out to you because I think it's pretty interesting. Simple obsessional. This is the most common type common type of stalker. The stalker usually is male and focus of the stalking is an ex-wife, ex-lover, or former boss. So somebody from an intimate relationship. So that's the simple obsessional, usually a guy, okay? Love obsessional is uh, a stalker, the stalker is a stranger or a casual acquaintance to the victim. Nonetheless, becomes obsessed and begins a pattern of behaviors and means to making the victim aware of his or her existence. Okay, so that's pretty interesting. So a high-profile example of this would be like when celebrities get stalked and then, you know, I watched uh, some things about that. It's pretty gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, so love obsessional. Then my personal favorite is erotomania. Uh, it sounds great. Right? It sounds great. It yeah. sounds good. Well, in this type of stalking, the stalker incorrectly believes that the victim is in love with him or her and that, but for some external barrier or interference, the two of them would be together forever. So it's like, you're not just into somebody. You are like literally convinced that they are in love with you. Soulmate. Right? Yeah. Then this is an interesting one too. Uh, false victimization syndrome. This involves an individual who either consciously or subconsciously seeks to play the role of the victim. As such, the individual may invent a detailed tale in which he or she claims to be a stalking victim. That's pretty interesting. Mm. Um, Okay, so we've got another two. This is regards to the relationship to the victim, okay? And it's split into two categories. One is intimate. So in this type of stalking, the stalker and victim had a former relationship with each other. Oftentimes, the stalker seeks to reestablish a relationship with the victim, which is either ended or which the victim has tried to end. Um, and then non-intimate, which basically means non-intimate. Yeah, it's an interpersonal relationship, non, no previous relationship with each other at all. So I didn't realize it was like it was split into so many categories, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, have either of you had any personal experiences either with a stalker or have you known somebody who's been stalked i don't i don't know that i've known anybody who's been stalked at least that it wasn't kind of brought up in normal conversation normal day-to-day conversation if it was happening um i have known obsessive people before who are like obsessed with 
with uh, individuals of the opposite sex or whatever that I probably just wrote off as like a crush or something like that. But nothing, nothing ever to like say the criminal degree have, have I known anyone or have been the focus of anyone kind of in that manner. So I guess not, I guess not for me. Um, yeah, actually for me, I've had to witness it firsthand and it was, it's actually at our place of business. And this was probably oh. like, this was probably like mm, four five, four five, maybe six years ago. So I'm at the department I work in right now, you know, just doing my thing. And I hear some, you know, employees next to me talking to a couple of females and kind of talking about well there's this guy up there and this and that and come to find out that this female team member had transferred from green hills because this guy was stalking her at the store well she works she works over here now and we kind of look over up front and there is this guy just he's got <laughs> this little green drink in his hand and he is literally just staring a hole into this girl and, you know, the first day we we're all like, yeah, that's messed up. You know, you need to probably tell somebody or whatever. She's like, no, I'll just, I'll just let it go. And then it happened maybe two more times. And like, it got to the point where myself and a couple other employees at the store, I won't name any names, but we basically <laughs> were just like right there in the area, just all three of us just staring at him, you know, doing the reverse stalking, making sure he was aware that you know we knew what he was doing and it was not cool so i don't know what happened if uh if the boss kind of talked to him or something happened but you know he quit coming in but you know she was having to go to the back of the of the store she didn't want to come out onto the floor so yeah that was a that was a pretty trippy situation right there with the with the stalker that's wild um i wonder if like Eric said before, like I wonder if you've been stalked and you just didn't know about yeah, it. I, I guess I guess you would really wouldn't kind of know about it unless they were, you know, had enough to just like walk up to you and say, "I I don't I don't know." I mean, uh, I guess the stalker wouldn't be like, "Hey, I'm kind of stalking you right now." So, I well, think they do though. That's, I think that's, that's part of the ammo of stalkers. What about? I, I yeah. think they want you to know. Like, there's like. I've seen a news report on these people are very nice, but they have a weird thing where like they like to f to stalk people. They like to see what people do in their daily lives without mm. being seen, you know, looking at these people living their lives. So I guess it's I'm like train hopping. People just kind of have the weird hobbies, I guess, some of them. I mean, what if it's, what if it's your job to like study people, you know? That's true. Exactly. What if you were like Jared Leto and you wanted to be the greatest actor of all time? So you're studying people, you know? I, I'm, I'm kind of into the voyeuristic thing, like a little bit. I am. I'm admitting it. I think it's kind of cool. Like when I walk my dogs, I think I've told you guys this before, but like I walk my dogs in the evening and a lot of people here don't have uh, curtains on the windows and have their lights on. I like a good little look. I like to see, you know what I mean? See what they're doing. You know, I'm nosy. Maybe I'm just nosy. I'm not a voyeur. I'm just nosy. Oh well, well their yeah. fall for not having curtains. Yeah. That's the first thing I got when, when I moved into my house. You've got was, it. Was because yeah, of people like curtains. you, actually. You you curtain Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um 
So here's some facts about stalking. In a 2011 survey, it found five point. This is in America. Five point one million women and two point four million men had been stalked the previous year. So in 2010, this is old. This is old numbers. It's probably worse than that now. Five point one million women and two point four million men. That is a lot of people who've been. That's stalked. like uh, they um, they filed a police report. I I assume that's what that number comes from. Yeah, it has to be. Um, because so one in every six women and one out of every nineteen men in the United States have been stalked in their lifetime. That's, that's wild. That's Crazy. insane for the female yeah. side. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Let's have a look. Almost three out of four stalking victims know their stalkers in some capacity. The most common relationship between the victim and perpetrator is a current or former intimate partner, which makes sense. I mean, that's the the most common one. Um, 66% of female stalking victims were stalked by current or former intimate partners. A couple of more facts here. 81% of women who were stalked by a current or former husband or cohabitating partner were also physically assaulted by that partner. So... Okay, so if every one in every six women have been stalked, and eighty-one percent of that amount were actually physically or sexually assaulted by their partner, that's mm. that's really crazy. Um, people aged eighteen to twenty-four have the highest rate of stalking victimization, which makes sense because a you're irrelevant after twenty-four. You're not as attractive as you were after 24, and you might as well just be a sack of worthless skin. So I understand that. Um, Although stalking is a crime in all 50 states, less than one-third of states classify stalking as a felony as its first offense. This leaves stalking victims without protections afforded to victims of other violent crimes. That's what I was going to say. So what's kind of chilling about stalking is it's got to be very difficult to prove. And it's got to be, not only is it difficult to prove, difficult to get some kind of restraining or um, like safety net. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess if it's It's, physical stalking, yeah, you have to really start documenting. But if it's say, I don't know what the term is, but say it's like digital stalking, I would think it'd be a lot more easier to prove because you have record of, of like a, a digital footprint or like a, you know, a texting mm-hmm. uh, footprint of, of some sort. So um, I think that would be a little. I feel like with the way surveillance cameras are these days at people's homes and businesses, I feel like you'd be able to at least come up with a timeline of how many times, you know, somebody is, you're thinking has been stalking you to give like a visual thing to police to be like, Hey, this is like six different places on camera that he's been following me. So I feel like, you know, these days it'd be the easiest in terms of, you know, eras to try to visually prove that. Mm-hmm. You're just discouraging me more. So <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, bro. Yeah. Sorry. You're on, um, you're on plenty of rings around your neighborhood right now. I'm sure. That I probably am. Yeah. I'm probably on a lot of neighborhood watch loops. Um, yeah. That's wild. Um, I do. I, I, I did, this is going to sound crazy too, it did at one point, I thought it would be cool to have a stalker. And I think that's just because I wanted validation. <laughs> like I wanted somebody to think that I was worth stalking, but like I'm just not worth stalking. So like it, it's disappointing. Um, so if you are listening and you do have like some weird obsession with me, by all means, uh, you know, keep it going. You know? And that's uh, that's how we knew him right there. 
drop that yeah. line and just keep dropping Famous that line. Last words. I don't always close my curtains. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. You, my business you, could be mutually beneficial. Is is this a cry for help? What is this? I don't know. <laughs> it is a cry for help. Yes, it is. Okay, because I was working today and I spent too long reading a bunch of crazy. Uh, there's more. There's more statistics, but I'm not going to read them because there's a huge link between between femicide and stalking. Femicide, I guess, is just the murder of a woman. Um, but there's some pretty shocking uh, statistics tied between like the amount of women who were murdered, um, who were previously stalked is like really high, like really, really high. And it, so that's enough of that stuff. It's a little too grim, but we can talk about movies about stalking now. Um, so I'm going to throw it to you guys because I haven't done a lot of research. So I'm going to kind of have a quick, quick scan of the internet while you guys pick yours. Uh, so we'll do two. So you can do, just give us your two. So whoever wants to go first. Eric can go first. Oh, yeah. So uh, number two would be Martin Scorsese's remake, uh, Cape Fear, uh, which I think is, if you haven't seen it, you have to see it. I mean, Nick Nolte, Robert De Niro, uh, Julie... Uh, Juliette Lewis. Juliette Lewis, yeah. Um, uh, for my money... I think the remake is better than the original I, for whatever reason. I think, uh, I think De Niro just really threw himself into that, um, into that role. Who, who, who played the original? Was it Robert Mitchum? I could be wrong about that. I think that. it is Robert Mitchum. Yeah. No, I think it is. Um, just, uh, from the, from beginning to end, it's just, it's a great kind of story of, convict an ex-con who wants revenge for something and then basically stalks uh nick nolte's uh family until it kind of crescendos to this like standoff so uh cape fear uh is like number two for me yeah great pick great pick um i think cape fear is not only um i know i can't speak about the original because i haven't seen it um but not only, I've heard a lot of people say it's better than the original, but I also think, secondly, it's one of Scorsese's best movies, too. It is, I think it's yeah. a really, really, really good movie. Okay, so I, my number two, kind of my generation, I guess, is why I pick it, it just kind of just stands out, was Is Fear with Mark Wahlberg and Reese Witherspoon. Classic. Yeah, that movie is like... He is really, he's so young as an actor at that point, but he's so just demented. Like, he is very intimidating. If that guy was, you know, trying to come after my daughter, you know, the scenes where he's banging on the door. Uh, it's just a really, a really good high school crazed ex boyfriend kind of first love kind of thing going on. So, yeah, fear. Did, um, okay, yeah. Did he do that movie before he did Basketball Diaries? I'm going to check right now because I want to say those are like, I saw him in basketball Di diaries first and then fear next. Cause I feel like he did the big hit right after this, which I love the big hit. Well, fear is 1996. Okay. okay. So let's have a look at his filmography. Um, so 1996 he did. So it was the year after basketball diaries. Okay. Now, I don't know if basketball diaries came out the same year. It might got pushed, but it's 95 basketball 96 fear oh, okay. um, yeah. into boogie nights 97 oh wow wow yeah that's quick yeah actually pretty good run so basketball fear boogie nights this is one year after the other um 98 big hit 
1999, Three Kings, mm-hmm. 2000, The Yards and Perfect Storm, 2001, Planet of the Apes, Rockstar. That's kind of where you lost where, me. Yeah, I love so Rockstar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you would. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of like where you went downhill, I think, a little bit. Um, three King, but three pretty, Kings, it, underrated. Very underrated. Yes. Yeah. Who did it? Is that David O. Russell? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good movie. Spike Jones. It's a really good movie. Um, good pick, Zach. I, I probably would have picked that myself if you hadn't. That's a really good one. Um, both of them, excellent. So I'm going to weigh in with, um, let's, where did it go? Bloody. So the movie, um, Single White Female, um, mm-hmm. which I mm-hmm. love. Interesting setup for Single White Female. At, um, a young professional woman is um, seeking she breaks up other boyfriends. So she's, she's has this very fancy apartment. I think it's like uh, in New York, I think it is very expensive. It's rent controlled, but she needs the help with the rent. So she uh, rents it out. She gets a roommate who on paper seems, um, so this is Bridget Fonda I'm talking about, gets a roommate who's Jennifer Jason Lee on paper. Jennifer Jason Lee seems pretty uh, much a good match. She's very meek, very um, submissive. They have a, like a, a pretty good relationship, albeit kind of like slightly weird power dynamic. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee just becomes obsessed with Bridget Fonda um, in a way starts to morph herself into the having the same appearance, cuts her hair. Um, there is a sexual undertone between their relationship too, which is very interesting. It's not fully examined because of the period of time I think it was made in the 90s. It's not really, mm. they didn't really get too freaky with it, but I think it could have got a little freakier. Um, <laughs> it's just <laughs> a really, really good, really, really good, really effective movie. Um very much one of my favorite genres of movie, just like Fear is, in that that stalking genre where it's somebody who's introduced to a family who, um, or a, like a home situation who over time starts to like corrupt that the balance that's there, you know. Which I I love that. I think it's a really really cool like setup for 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 movies in general. So yeah, um, that would be a single white female for me. Um, I'll go, I, and. I, I, I would be pretty confident with saying number one for me for this one um, because I remember loving it when I first saw it so long ago. And then I actually I rewatched it within the last year, year or two, and it really kind of stood up for me. There's so many plot holes and and ridiculousness in it. But for the villain alone, it's uh it's worth a watch and it's just a fun ride. And that's uh 1986's uh The Hitcher with Rutger Hauer. Yeah. Good oh, one. great movie. He great just movie. plays like this ominous, uh ever present evil force that just torments and stalks uh C. Thomas Howell's character as they drive across America trying to get to one destination or the other. And I think the end is like one of the best endings. Um of a movie it's so just it's 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 unplausible it's ridiculous it's there's no possible way it would ever happen because of uh just how much police presence would be surrounded this guy but it was it's just it's so over the top and amazing and great um and then there there was a remake a remake made of it with uh sean bean yeah which was horrible, which was absolutely horrible. <laughs> they reversed the roles of the the 
the man and woman and they kind of flipped it to where the the woman was the protagonist in the remake and you know i yeah. i can understand that narrative that that happened there but the the original was done so well and c thomas Howell was kind of uh at the top of his game uh at that time period, minus one particular movie that I'm not going to bring mm. up. <laughs> um, but uh, Gen- <laughs> Jennifer Jason Lee's about her. <laughs> yo, yeah, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's in it, and it has one of the greatest shocking like middle scenes of a movie uh, that I've seen that I was completely unexpected for. Um, I don't want to give anything away. If you haven't seen it, it's 1986's The Hitcher. Um, make sure it's it's the older version, not the Sean Bean version. Although good casting with Sean Bean, I think he's like, oh he's, yeah, that's good casting. It for is. Sean Bean, I mean, I Sean Bean was great in that role. It's just everything else about it was like, I don't know, Terrible. I don't know who made it. It was like a Rob Zombie production or something. I have no idea, but uh, <laughs> it, just the way it was shot, and um, but Rugger Howard was just so evil and perfect in that movie. Nice. R.I.P great choice <laughs> yeah RIP, true legend um okay zach so my number one actually was a, another ifc midnight movie but it's from 2008 uh oh. called the midnight meat train with bradley cooper and vinnie oh, jones yeah. he plays a photographer gets hooked up at an art gallery and he's trying to expand his portfolio by getting kind of the grittier side um, of his photography. So he kind of starts hanging out in the subway, kind of witnesses something. Vinnie Jones is there. And so each night he goes back and kind of follows him and sees a little more and a little more. And it kind of becomes like a cat and mouse type of stalking movie. But yeah, that is a really, really good kind of horror thriller on that one. So yeah, uh, mid- The Midnight Meat Train. Interesting. I've I, I'm aware of that movie mainly because Vinnie Jones is in it, um, in the title. But I had no idea that's what that was about. Yeah, it's uh, it's really entertaining. I dig it. Okay, nice. Okay, so um, with me, I, I haven't looked through now. There's actually quite a few good ones, and I'm going to make some honorable mentions at the end of this. But I would probably say of more recent um attempts at this this style and genre i would have to say where has it gone let's have a look it's it's tough i think one hour photo one hour photo with mm-hmm. um the late great robin williams playing against type aggressively against type for mm-hmm. robin williams yeah as uh that's a really really good movie i think it's like a mark romanek movie that's a good movie um so, but i'm not going to go with that i'm actually going to go with the movie the guest now the guest is the follow-up movie to uh, it's the, the the guys who directed um Oh, bloody hell. I can't remember the name of the movie now. Um, let's have a look. I'm going to bring it up. I can always cut this out. Um, so the guest is by the same team that brought you the... Uh, it's Adam Wingard, uh, who did Your Next. Your Next, It's yeah. the follow-up to yeah. Your Next. That's right. I, it, for the for some reason, the, the name was escaping me. And it stars Dan Stevens, who I think is a really, really great actor, British actor. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in a ton of stuff, Dan Stevens. Um really really good and um micah monroe is actually in this movie too micah monroe is going to be in the movie that we're talking about today watch yeah. it um great setup for a movie um basically dan stevens character david he um he shows up at this family's house now the family's a, a mother a father an elder teenage daughter played by micah monroe and a, like a young like a high schooler boy um and he's it basically saying 
that he is a friend of their sons. Their son died tragically, and I think it looks like it's Afghanistan. One yeah, of the, one I think of the it was like a military wars. thing, yeah. Yeah, and he was like, "Hey, I've got photo." So he has photographs. So he's in there with a, their son on, is serving on a tour of duty. And I was like, "Hey, I always said I'd come by and check on you guys, see how everybody's doing. Um, me and your son were like really good friends." And they're like, "Oh wow, that's really awesome." You know what I mean? So as an act of politeness, they invite him into the house. And then um, when he's like, basically, "Oh well, I'm, I'll best be off. I'm not going to take too much of your time." And then like, "Well, where are you staying? Who, who are you staying with?" And he's like, "Oh well, you know, I, I don't really have anything set in place." And they're like, "Well, don't be silly. You can stay here for a little while if you want to get yourself up on your feet, up and running." You know what I mean? Not only were you a friend, dear friend of our sons, who we miss. Um, it's nice to get stories about him from you, but also, you know, you you served your country and we're grateful for what you guys did. So like, let, let us help you out. Um, and what starts as that premise he is again him basically like a cancer sets in and then basically starts to kind of fuck with the family and mm-hmm. it kind of like a malicious um, cat and mouse kind of kind of kind of way like deliberately stirs the pot he makes sexual advances towards the daughter um, he teaches the young son how to uh, overcome his bullying by being like a psychopath just like he is you know what I mean <laughs> it's really good it's very formulaic as all of these movies are but like there's something about that formula. I just like the formula. And I think it's a really good example of it. The soundtrack's really good. Um, so top to bottom, I would say the guest is really, really good. Um, now, honorable mentions, like I said, I was I would say one hour fo- photo. I'd say if you wanted something more recent, Ingrid Goes West, which is a movie that's on Hulu. Yeah, I, I that's really always been on my radar and I've never seen it. Um, it's really, really good. Yeah, yeah. And that's... Um, Elizabeth Olsen and um, Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza, yeah, that's a really good movie. Um, Crush, the classic Alicia Silverstone, trashy. Oh, that's right. It's like an inverse, inverse fear, I guess, in a way. Uh, You could describe that as. Um, And one mention I wanted to give because he just passed recently. The late great Ray Liotta, um, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. just died too soon, in my opinion, because I think he was only like late fifties, early sixties. Ray Liotta. he made a movie um, called Unlawful Entry with um, Kurt Russell. Have you guys seen that movie? Mm, I have not. Uh, if I if I have, it's probably been uh, quite a while. Quite a while. So Kurt Russell and his wife Madeline Stowe, they are like um, he's like a, a architect, like a very high end architect. He's he's investing in like nightclubs in like L.A. and his wife is like a professional. I think she's like an art curator or something like that. Anyway. They have like a security system set up in their home. In um, one night, they have like a homeless guy. I think it's a homeless guy kind of invade the prep, the property. Um, so they become super paranoid. So they call the police. Okay, the police respond, and it's two guys. And one of the officers is Ray Liotta. Um, Ray Liotta is like uh, concerned for them. He's very very overly helpful. He's like making sure the house is all up to code and he's like hey i'll tell you what i work on the side for security so if you want i can like install cameras i can check your locks i can make sure your house is locked down the way it should be and they're like oh this is really awesome service he's like yeah totally um he becomes like um so he becomes like a friend almost of the family whilst he's setting up their security system he's just a big cop but what happens is um he becomes like kind of sexually obsessed with Madeline Stowe um, and that relationship starts to get more and more intense. He also has this pretty fun game of cat and mouse with Kurt Russell where he gets Kurt Russell to go on ride-alongs with him mm. um, as a cop. But when Kurt Russell's going on ride-alongs, he starts to see that Ray Liotta is a fucking psychopath. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's good. It's like, it's very trashy, but it's a great performance by Ray Liotta, uh, rest in peace. And as usual, Kurt Russell's phenomenal, phenomenal in it. Um, so, 
unlawful entry. So that would be my last honorable mention. What year is that? I've, since I've not heard of it. Okay. 92. Yeah. I, I highly recommend... Zach, I think you would love it. I love like late 80s, early 90s Kurt Russell. Yeah. It's super good. Uh, huge recommend. Um, but yeah, there's there's too many to mention. There's a ton of movies that fit into this category. So I think we covered some of the big, more well-known bangers there. Yeah, there's some. There's a lot of gonna good ones. I mean, on when you put in like half of the ghost horror movies, technically yeah. as stalking movies. I mean, I guess I, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, like a uh, Jason or uh, Mike <laughs> Myers right. could be considered a stalker. They just do it real slow. I think it's just his way of walking. Yeah. He stalks. <laughs> in a way, Freddy's kind of like that too. I mean, in his fucked up way, he's kind of stalking his victims. Yeah. Playing with them. You know? In their oh. minds. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what are we talking about today? So we, like Zach said, we're talking about Watcher. Not to be confused with The Watcher, which is the James Spader, Keanu Reeves bomb from like the mid-90s. I guess that movie came out. It was a total bomb. And what's funny is, we've got a funny story about this. So Chris, who couldn't make that episode, he came to see the movie with us at the weekend. Um, and Chris texted me. He was like, hey, what what time is the screening? What seats do you have? The usual stuff. And I, I sent him one. Then the next morning, which is before we go to see the movie, he texts me. He goes, he goes, wow, we're really going to see this movie. The ratings are really bad. He goes, have you seen the Rotten Tomatoes for this movie? And I, I looked it up and I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's 86%. And he's like, oh shit, my bad. I looked up The Watcher and it's like out of 12 on Rotten Tomatoes. So he's like, he thought that's what we we're going to see. <laughs> so yes, not The Watcher. So came out in 2022, came out last week. It's on IFC Midnight is the, um, I think it's an IFC Midnight or a Shudder. One of the Shudder. two. Yeah, I, th- I feel like I saw a Shudder thing. Yeah. I don't even know if they're even related IFC and Shudder, but um, it's... Um, out in the theaters now right now it's on a smaller release we did catch it at amc i know the bell court has shown it right now our art house movie theater so you may have better luck finding this in an art house theater than you do in a regular multiplex mm. but i also got a feeling that this movie will be available to rent digitally pretty soon um yeah. i would probably say within the next say, yeah. two or three weeks yeah um so it was uh directed by a lady called chloe okono and written by a guy called Zach Ford. It stars Micah Monroe and Carl Glusman and Bern Gorman. Now, Micah Monroe, like I said, she's been in a, a bunch of things. Most notably for me, I think I recognize her from It Follows. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's really where she got on my radar. Um, but she has been in a ton of stuff, a lot of more independent stuff, and within the horror um, thriller genre she's actually in a, a movie that's pretty fun another psychological thriller uh, called Greta with Chloe uh, Moretz Chloe yeah. Grace Moretz mm-hmm. which is actually a pretty fun movie too and that would definitely fit into our stalker category that we were talking about um, she's never really broke through to the big time um, in terms of like I think she's found her niche in, in what she's doing and I think she's like I think she's a good actress I think and she's recognizable but she's definitely like in that kind of like genre mm-hmm I guess people do call her a a scream queen. So that's fitting. Hmm. Um, Now, let me throw this to you guys. Were you guys aware of... Actually, I was going to say if you were aware of the directors of the works, but I think this is her feature. So, no, we're not. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I I hadn't heard of it. I think I just saw the preview for it, and it was. I don't know if it went. Uh, did any festival, anything's, but for some reason it popped up on my radar. Yeah. So the other, the main, the main other actor in the movie is the guy called Gluzman that I I mentioned before. You may recognize him. Um, he's in Love, the Gaspar No movie, Love, which I don't know if you guys have seen. Um, it's not very good. It's basically a, a long form like hardcore pornography set to like an art art house kind of it's it's not terrible it's not great um he's also in the neon demon which is a superb movie oh, yeah, great. if anybody hasn't seen it um he is the boyfriend at the beginning he is the main actress's boyfriend who's a, a amateur photographer who kind of like hooks up with her when she first shows up in la mm-hmm. um great he's also in nocturnal animals which i yes. i've seen but i can't remember too much of oh yeah i that's dig a, that movie you need to rewatch that one then it's so yeah. good it's so, so good. good is that uh gyllenhaal yeah yeah gyllenhaal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um he so he's michael in that shannon, um yeah. My, yeah michael shannon that's who i was thinking of um he's also in um my much beloved devs by Alex Garland. So mm-hmm. he makes another appearance on the podcast. Um, that's basically, so that's your two main leads, right? So you have your protagonist who is a young lady and her husband. So that is Michael Monroe and Carl Glusman. Now the third actor is the antagonist who would be the stalker or perhaps stalker in this tale. Um, and he's played by a guy called Bern Gorman. That is a weird name. His first name is Burn. It's a pretty sweet name. I only know him from Bernard. uh, I don't know. I don't know. The way they spell it is pretty, like, Burn. Yeah. Yeah, right? (laughs) Like, I've seen him in Pacific Rim is, I think, the only thing I remember him from. I've seen him in different things, but I couldn't name him off the top of my head. He has a very kind of distinct look to him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, what's interesting is he is... uh, he, he was born in America, but I think he was raised in England because I've seen him in a bunch of British TV stuff. Mm. Um, so he was born in 1974. His full name is Bern Hugh Winchester Gorman. <laughs> That's a name so right silly. there. <laughs> That's a name. That is a name. Um, but he's been in a ton of stuff. He was actually in British TV soap operas like Coronation Street, um, Charles Dickens, uh, adaptations like Bleak House, um, all the way through. And like uh, he's done a lot of British like um, period pieces and stuff. Uh, and so on and so forth. EastEnders, more British TV, um, all the way through to Game of Thrones. I knew he was in Game of Thrones. Yeah. So he's in Game of Thrones. Um, yeah, a bunch of different stuff. Actually, he's in The Dark Knight Rises too. So he's been in oh, like, that's Pacific right, Rim. Mm-hmm. So he's been quite a few things. He's very, he's has one of those faces. And I think like from a visual element, he's perfectly cast in this movie mm-hmm. um, uh, to play the type of character that he plays. So what's the movie about then? It's pretty straightforward. So I'll give you a quick plot synopsis. So we have um, a young lady and her husband, a young couple. I would say they're probably like late 20s, early 30s. And um, she's an American and he's an American, but he was actually born in Romania. I think that's where the movie's set, Romania. Mm-hmm. So he has a Romanian mother and father. He he. He's a transplant to the to the U.S., so his parents taught him how to speak Romanian. Now, as his career has developed, an op- opportunity arose for him to take over an advertising job. I think he works for an advertising firm, and it's in Bucharest. Um, so knowing that he speaks the language and it's a chance to go back to visit his homeland, um, 
they kind of up and transplant from America. So uh, they both pack up their lives and go to this new job. He's the only person with a job. They've just got settled. They've got an apartment. She, at this point, is, is new to the country. She doesn't know any of the language. And her husband's off at work all day long, every day, uh, with a busy office job. So she's kind of left alone to explore the city explore her surroundings and spend some time trying to learn the language. Um, over the course of this, what happens is in their new apartment building, she starts to notice at certain times, particularly during the evening, that on the apartment building directly opposite where she lives, through their glass window, she can see um, a guy standing in one of those apartment rooms staring and it's constant. So almost every time she looks out of, the, out of her window, she can see this guy staring back at her. Um, now, this leads her down a path of um, paranoia, um, delusional paranoia, some people think. And basically, she's in a situation where nobody understands what she's trying to say, and she's trying to convince everybody, like, something's not right about this. This isn't right. Um, that's pretty much the rough setup for the movie. So basically, the movie is, is this guy stalking her? Is he not stalking her? Is she crazy or is she not crazy? Um, so no spoilers. That's the basic premise for the movie. Does that sound about fair? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds yeah, good. Sounds it. Okay. Okay. So then, lads, what did you guys think? Uh, I'm going to go... Well, actually, I saw the movie with Eric, so I'm very curious as to what you have to think, uh, say, Zach. So we'll go to you first. So what did you think of the movie? Okay, so... This is 50-50. I thought it was great in certain parts because I could relate to some of the environmental aspects that she was kind of put in. But there are other parts that it is a little too formulaic at some parts, but it adds a couple things that kind of make you think, is she crazy? Is she really seeing, you know, this guy stalking her? But as I kind of thought on it a bit and you start thinking about the second half of the movie, I really, I enjoyed it. I was just a little... It wasn't as thrilling and, I guess, chilling as I was kind of prepped for. Kind of just more of a... I thought it was going to be more of like an intense, intense thriller. But... And we'll get into the spoilers. I thought it had a lot to do with uh, the husband character being a character in the movie. Kind of, for me, was a problem. Um, But I thought her vibe was great because from the very beginning, you know, she has this kind of down a lot like with the environment it's rainy it's cloudy she has like this trying to put on a good face like she's excited but like you said she's in an entirely different country um and i've been into a another country where i haven't been able to speak the language for an extended period and it can be totally isolating and very you get very vulnerable and you know in parts of the movies where she's you know there's dialogue going on and you know she's not aware of what's being said um, which brings me to the part where I really loved in the movie was how subtitles were not in it. I think that helped you get into kind of her character and kind of investing in how she's feeling in those particular moments because you would like to know what they're saying about her or about what the situation So you don't really get a whole lot of feedback except for certain times maybe where her husband's around, you know, and he can kind of translate for her. So, I really love that, that they kept the subtitles out of it and kind of let you see visually how the people's mannerisms and if they were panicky or how they reacted to her as an American. So Michael Monroe was really great. Her husband, Francis, his character for him being in the movie, 
I thought was kind of just a safety net when it came to holding back on her character's more paranoia and psychological breakdown. Um, that was really the only big thing that kind of took me out of really getting into the thrilling paranoia part because she kind of always had a, a way for it to come down like that the bar that when it starts getting kind of intense and she gets kind of scared a bit you know he always kind of seems to be there to kind of level it out at certain points of the movie but for most part i really did like it uh burn gorman like you said earlier was just perfect as a character how he looked i was kind of in the theater when i saw the trailer i guess when we were seeing men i kind of knew it was him from the trailer so i was that kind of threw me off a bit i wish i hadn't seen the trailer but mm. i love the julia character just because i could you know or could relate to her i liked her spiral it was really good because it did leave you at some points wondering oh i definitely know that it's going this way but then it kind of you don't know yourself you kind of second guessing yourself but at the same time i felt that it wasn't as involving with that psychological part as I wanted or I thought it was going to be. It had kind of like you said, it had the kind of the, the stalker formula a bit with a little bit of twist um, at the end as well. But yeah, that's kind of how I felt. It was enjoyable after I thought about it, after I kind of sat on it for a while. Uh, right out the bat when I left the theater, I was, I didn't feel like I was full. Like I was filled up on like the thrilling suspense that I thought was going to happen. It was just mm -hmm. the first half hour. I actually enjoyed the buildup. Like the first like half of the movie was great because she slowly, you know, she's really good with her face and like the distraughtness that she has with the watering eyes and her trying to make her husband, you know, you know, try to make him believe what she's seeing. So, yeah, it was just it kind of grew on me a little bit, but I was a little. Um, not was uh, not as intense as I was expecting, or or as I took it for myself as a an audience member. Hmm. That's great. That's great. Thanks, I. Okay, we know who's next. <laughs> it's you, Eric. Well, that's you. That's you, right? That's you. No, no, no. All right. Um, so uh, I think uh, I think we both had the same kind of experience um, as far as Zach, Zach, and myself. Um, and then we, we talked a little bit, Scott, about, uh, as we were coming out. Um, and, and I kind of, I kind of think everybody that we saw it with was, was of the same kind of, um, opinion that is, uh, it was very kind of a slow burn. It, it doesn't advertise that that's what it is, but it's a very kind of slow burn. It's a very slow movie. It is, um, building up to, a conclusion that you don't either can see coming or can't see coming. So one or the other, um, as far as her character, I did like the, the kind of the stranger in a strange land sort of thing, which is crazy to me because if I was going to a place where I didn't know the language that well or at all, um, I would do everything in my power to learn as much as possible before I went over because, I mean, 
you have to communicate a handful of things. And it's like, it seemed like she was learning little things here and there, but then she would rely a little bit too heavy on her husband and, uh, which handicapped her, uh, to a certain degree. But it seemed like any time that she needed to kind of make the story go further, there was always that character who was like, Oh yeah, I speak English. You know, I can give you all the information yeah. that you need thing, which is fine. You know, it's, it, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I like the, it had a very Hitchcock vibe to it. Um, even though Hitchcock didn't do charade, which I found out later, which I, I, I thought in my head forever that, uh, Hitchcock did charade. Um, he, he did. Um, but it kind of, it gave that nod to that type of, of movie where, where it's like, uh, there's, there's like some craziness going on. And all these people are kind of like a fish out of water situation and they, and they, she has to adapt. She has to adapt, uh, or kind of perish in this, in this situation. Um, and I think she, that she kind of emotionally, she, she represented that well. Um, I think where people might be a little bit turned off uh, on the performance, it is very, she's very much kind of one note. In a way, I mean, that would be like one of my main criticisms is whenever the camera was on her, she always had the exact same look. It seemed like this very kind of dour, sad, depressed, like, like, you know, she's only ever lived in, you know, 50 degree weather that rains all day, sort of, sort of, sort of like emotion, you know, just very kind of down there 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 wasn't a scene where she was like up or like happy to be having a new experience or anything like that it was just it was like right out of the gate i'm sad and depressed that i'm here i'm sad and depressed that my career which i think she said she was an actress or was mm -hmm, yeah. a, a retired actress or something just didn't work out so her life isn't working out at all so i don't know if 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 you're in that situation. You want to, I guess uh, you want to try and find a way that you can thrive a little bit more. And I never got that sense that she was trying to thrive and she automatically went to this kind of, um, uh, crazy fantasy that something bad is happening around her. You know, is it happening? Is it not one? Um, but overall similar to Zach, I like that first half of it. But it took a little bit too long to build up to that second half where where I wanted just a, a tiny bit, a, just a tiny bit more action, maybe a tiny bit more cat and mouse. Um, it kind of it gives you what you it parcels out what you want, but not in a not in a thrilling way. It, it kind of it it feeds you what you want at, at the right paces, but but it's almost like you don't have to work for it. It, the runtime is super short. It's like an hour and a half, maybe a little bit over. So it's very much, it's a tight hour and a half. So you're getting all the kind of quote unquote, the, the tropey beats at the right time. So you know, everything is going to happen. The ending I really liked. I really liked the ending. Um, then we'll get into that later, but, uh, overall positive, but, but I would say middle ground positive. That's fair. That's fair. I feel like that was the, like you said, that was the overall consensus, um, at least amongst it, like the group that we were with, you know, mm -hmm. um, um, 
yeah, I'm 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 a little, I'm a little torn myself. I I I really enjoy. I wanted to like the movie more than I did. Well, I thought the movie was going to be a bit more thrilling than it was. Yeah. Let, yeah, let's put it that way. Now, um, the trailer is cut in a way that it seems a little bit more high stakes immediately. Now, the stakes are high, which we'll get into with spoilers. They they are high stakes at play. I mean, it's a life and death situation, theoretically, but it there's like a I don't know. I I think it's a the best way I can probably describe it as is the movie is also like a commentary on gaslighting between men and women. Yeah, totally. um, which and I think that's a really good and interesting discussion to have with the movie like this. But I think because of that, the movie needs to remain ambiguous as to this um, third character, the supposed is he stalking? Is he not stalking? The movie hinges on that. In 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 for order for, in order for that to work, we can't have his char- character telegraphing too much because it's not like your your typical like your Mark Wahlberg in Fear, where it's very clearly evident that he's a bad guy. You know what I mean? Or like the hand that rocks a cradle. Like you could see these people being crazy. They have to suggest that this guy could be crazy, and you have to and it allows you to go. Okay, well I'm going to fill in blanks about this guy. This guy is a loner. This is a guy who walks around by himself carrying a plastic bag. This guy is fitting my mo of somebody that I've I'm profiling. It asks you to profile the guy mm-hmm. along th- the same time she's mm-hmm. profiling, and and it's a very fine balancing act because it actually pays off in the end. But because of them having to remain so vague, it also kind of like it. The the movie runs into a problem where it kind of runs out of steam a little bit because of it. Because it's like it doesn't keep the juice going enough to like so. The beginning half of the movie is very effective. It's in that middle section of the movie before we start to get into like making our own conclusions and the movie before it actually gives you the conclusion. The middle section is where it starts to flag, which is I feel like that's the point where it should be getting even more amplified. And it's, I think it's because of that that balancing act that they have to play in order to keep the story va- as vague as possible until the final reveal. So um, with that being said... There's a lot to like about the movie. I love the setting. I love how it's in Romania. You don't see a lot of movies that are in Romania. Um, and to answer what you guys were saying before too about her not knowing the language, as somebody who's been around Europe a lot, like this, this might sound like a, an excuse, but like you'd be surprised how many people speak English mm-hmm. when you're in these countries, like surprised. Um, and because of that, you do get like a false sense of security where you just assume that at least somebody's going to hear what, like, understand what you say. Uh, the movie does a good job with that where she's put in situations where she needs somebody to understand what she's saying and they don't. Um, which also ties it in very good to what Zach was saying too about the lack of subtitles in the movie, which I think is particularly effective and a great choice mm-hmm. because automatically that puts us at the same disadvantages that she's at and where we can't understand what's going on. So we immediately start to sympathize and empathize with her because we know what the plight's like, because we're like, it's actually, frust- it was frustrating at parts for me because I just wanted to know what these characters yeah. were saying. Yeah. Um, so a very, very effective use of that. Um, I think her performance is good. Yes, I agree with Eric. I think her performance is good. I think she's a little... It's not that her performance is one note. I think her character has written a little one note. So she's not given too much. She's not allowed to be too dynamic of a character in a sense that she's, she, yeah, you're right, Eric. She goes across there and she's in a new, a new country, but it feels like she resigns herself to that fate very quickly as opposed to like, I don't know. She, 
over the course of the movie she becomes friends with a neighbor who's a, a woman around the same age as her and like i feel like that would have been a good good way for us to like get her to like express something a bit more yeah and and and, and the only thing that happens with that is the neighbor becomes more interesting than she is automatically mm-hmm. um the character and i feel like so they do her character disservice and i think that could also be said of a husband who's very one-dimensional um good performance it's an okay performance by him i don't i think he's well he's a very handsome young man and like i think he's a good actor but i don't think he's i don't know if he's really good in this movie um in terms of like or it's just again the way he's written because he's very flat you know what i mean um i the best performance is easily the the, the bad guy um, whose yeah. name I've forgotten already. Even burn Gorm. Crazy. Burn Gorm. Yeah. Uh, burn. So I felt the burn with him. You know what I mean? <laughs> I thought, I think he's perfectly cast and I think he's ready. He's just very effective. Uh, and like, I think he is um, the best performance uh, by far in the movie. I think the performance by the roommate, uh, sorry, the, the girl who lives next door, I think she's great. I don't know who she is or where she's from, but I think she's actually really good in her role too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's the problem. Like, is that like, I found myself not as invested in our heroine as I think I I should be. You know what I mean? Like I was frustrated at people not listening to her and I was frustrated with her plight, but I wasn't rooting for her as much as I think I should have been um, in order for it to be really effective, you know, like especially at the end. But without spoilers again, I think the ending is very, very good and very strong. Like the actual conclusion of the movie, the specifically the last scene and the last shot is extremely effective. Um, the movie's very, uh, it's well, it's very competently made. It's, it's very pretty in parts without being overly showy. Um, it gives you, um, a great, um, albeit rainy dour look of Romania where they're at, which I think is really cool. Uh, so again, yeah, I love the setting. I like how it's not in your typical, like American suburban neighborhood. While a lot of these movies, let me ask you a question. Did, did you feel that it was a COVID movie? Because I don't know. Because to me, it's like it seemed underpopulated. Yeah, well, it definitely Especially was. Especially when she's walking down the streets and stuff, yeah, buying yeah. you know little trinkets mm. and whatnot. I mean, the likelihood is, is it probably is a COVID movie. Yeah. Um, or it's if just it's shitty not, weather though, out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or they could by having less people on. Well, that works two ways, though, doesn't it? Because you could remove the amount of people she interacts with and the people you see on the streets is a way to show how isolated she is. Yeah. But conversely, by having her alone amongst all those people, that would also show how isolated she is. So it's a, it kind of works either way. Yeah. Because you could definitely use the Watcher character to me more if you had a more crowded area where she's kind of having to look around more frantic. like. Yeah. And then like that would... Because... Uh, okay, well, like, well, this isn't a spoiler then. Did the movie go the way that you guys anticipated it to go? Yeah pretty much except for maybe a part or two um well in terms of how i read the movie myself uh i don't know if it did until i don't know if it did until the ending um if i'm just kind of taking if i'm taking myself out of it and just just being like a regular like watcher of it, I don't know that that it actually did. Now that being said, I've seen enough of these movies to know that when your antagonist is someone that I recognize, it, there's something more to to that character. Yeah, 
you know, because I think that's a curse of watching. That's a curse. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if you're watching it and it's like, it's someone that you've never seen before in anything else or don't recognize, then that's kind of like a, a red herring in a way that, that usually means, oh, it's, we're supposed to look in this direction, but in reality, it's this person that, that we've kind of haven't been focusing on the entire time. Um, but I mean, that's just, that's just from, from watching so many movies over, over an amount of time. Um, I did, as far, as far as the ending goes, I didn't see certain aspects of the ending going that way, but I think those choices were the right choices. And I like what you said about how, how pretty much all the characters are, are in a way, just one note. No one really kind of pushes back any one direction or the other the 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 husband is very much like why can't you get over this sort of thing uh i believe you but i don't really believe you um and she is like the hysterical uh woman who doesn't understand why no one believes her and kind of kind of come off comes off crazy in a way um and it seems like everybody else who who kind of exists around them um isn't in the same movie in a way, you know, side note, that's one of the nicest policemen I've ever seen. In a, in a movie, ever. <laughs> yeah. We'll get into him. I want to talk about that guy. Cause that shit's wild. No. Um, did you guys think that, you know, I had a more of a connection with the arena's ex-boyfriend because you know, what he does in the movie was, you know, a nice thing to do. And, you know, you, yeah. I was more connected with that dude. I was like, yeah, you're, you're a yeah, badass yeah. dude. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that it seems like that character was just a tiny bit more fleshed out than anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, because didn't it feel when he so this is uh well without giving away any spoilers, this is a character we're introduced to. So remember I mentioned that she has a next door neighbor who's very nice, similar age. She's a lot more um fun loving shall we say than our main character. She's a bit more colorful. She's like your crazy colorful neighbor, you know what I mean? Mhm. We are introduced later on to her ex-partner, her ex-boyfriend. And that's who Zach's talking about. And you're 100% right because for the brief amount of time that he's on screen, I kind of want to know his story. Yeah. And I'm like, this guy's cool. He's interesting. He's like, um, he's, he's not a stereotypical character. Yeah. He's like, he's, he's like, he's actually like, he feels rounded and he feels, and I think that boils down to what we're saying is that like, not nothing any of these characters did to me shocked or surprised me everything they did is kind of what i expected them to do based around the genre tropes which is to act exactly the way they act Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and that's a missed opportunity in a movie that could be you could do something kind of interesting with this you know what i mean you could do something interesting with the gaslighting thing and you could you could make this spin a bit more dynamic by like kind of playing off those tropes as opposed to just giving us exactly those tropes. Mm-hmm. Now, with that being said, do I think the movie's a failure? No, I think the movie's successful in what it does. I applaud the movie for being so quiet and so, and so meditative and thoughtful. I applaud it for the way it's shot. I think the actors are doing a good job trying their best with the material. Um, I think it needed a stronger script. Um, but in terms of like, is it worth going to see? Yes, I think it's 100% worth going to see because I feel like in it, well, we know this, this is this is obvious, in either you've got, your, you've either got your super wacky, super crazy, super colorful A24 movies right now, or you have your your big blockbuster 
comic book movies right now. This is a movie that you don't get to see a lot in the movie theater mm-hmm. at all. Um, this is an adult thriller, which is pretty much a dead genre. Um, and I think um, it's 100% worth the trip. I think it's short. It doesn't outstay its welcome. It's never boring. Like, the movie was never boring for me. I was invested in it the whole way. It's just, unfortunately, it doesn't knock it out of the park. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a fair assessment right there. I, I do... I do really appreciate that it is that kind of that tight hour, hour 36, hour 38 length. I think if it was like, if it pushed that two hour mark, I would have been like, let's, let's get going guys. Like, because if, if it would, if the story kind of went that route with the, that pacing that is a pacing issue because there's only so much like um, melancholy that you can really empathize with or enjoy uh throughout the entire thing before it just gets a, it gets kind of one notey um so but perfect timing if you want to go to the theaters see an adult thriller um you got an hour and a half to kill definitely go see it that being said it's got it's a two-hour movie because they're going to show 30 minutes worth of trailers in the beginning of it yeah right yeah for sure right. But before we uh, go into our break, speaking of that, and the amount of times that we go to the movie, we go to the movie theater a lot, and um, I I definitely do. I think I probably go the most out of our group, yeah. um, despite the fact that we all still go a lot. It's really chafing my bit now, this whole like 35, 40 minutes of trailers, especially because it's like the same... I've seen this Jurassic Park trailer for like two years now in a row. <laughs> and like the Nope trailer is the biggest offender because that is my number one most anticipated movie. And I've seen that trailer, I would estimate, in, a, in excess of like 20 to 30 times sure. in the past yeah. year. Yeah. I'm sure. It's unnecessary. Like, give me these trailers. We don't need this huge window. Drop them like a couple of months. The best way to do it is the way they did it with Northman. The Northman trailer, all of a sudden, it was like the Northman's coming out in four months' time. Holy shit, here's a trailer, got three months, it's coming out. That's the way to do it. I don't need to see trailers a year in advance. And like this whole 30, 40 minutes you're adding on to your runtime, you really are adding that onto your runtime. So like mm-hmm. when we went to see uh, Watcher, I got there, we got there early, Eric, so we saw the whole thing. Yeah. Like we could have showed up, we could have went to the bar, had a beer, showed up, sat down, two minutes, boom, movie started. You yeah. could have cut off. Like, and I, I think that's egregious. Like, it's just too much. Like, they need to, it's they de- need to either figure out a better way of doing this. Yeah, and it's become it, like it's a meme. Yeah, it's definitely egregious when, when you have movies that are three hours long and you're adding another twenty to thirty minutes to uh, it's. Yeah, and you got ridiculous. Nicole Kidman. Everybody, you know, everybody's <laughs> waiting for Nicole Kidman. But that's the whole. That's what's you no. Know, they think it's funny, but it's like you know what you said, Scott. I think that's the next like marketing overhaul is trailers because I think that drives people away from seeing certain movies because of how long, not just how many, but how long and how chronological some of these trailers are. And even if it's not in right chronological order, you know, these days trailers, that's why I am one of those dudes who like shuts the eyes or avoids it because they do. They give away so, so much that. I'm sure this the Hollywood's losing a ton of money on people who just don't go because they feel like, well, I've seen enough of it. I can tell my friends that I've seen it. So, I mean, yeah. that's just the way I feel yeah. about it. I guarantee that if you were to remove, if you just, if you were to stop consuming trailers of any form altogether, but to continue to see movies at, at a regular pace, 
I estimate that you will enjoy movies probably on a scale of 20 to 25% more oh, than yeah. you will have oh, another the trailer. Yeah. For the very thrill of being able to go into something and be going, okay, what do you got? Yeah. Here's give me a title, give me the actors and actresses and the director. That's all I need. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. It's, I, I, I think it's a curse right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say like a good 30 second trailer, which I guess I consider teasers, but even teasers are like two minutes long now. Um, mm-hmm. That just gives you super basic information. I mean, you could do a lot with just a really good title card and people like, and, and the actors and, and people, it'll create interest, you know, or something like that. But it, I just have a feeling we are going to complain about this ad, ad nauseum and <laughs> We're yeah, just I know. Get we'll get it, it out of our system yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We could, could, <laughs> we'll 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 try to make a promise to you, dear listeners, that this is the last time we break. It's not going to be though, but we'll we'll kind of skip it for now. But like, it, it it's definitely um something that's kind of bugging me a little bit recently, and I wanted to bring it up. I mean, like to be fair, I suppose you guys listening at home would probably say the same thing about our show and be like, yeah, but I have to listen to forty minutes of bullshit before we start actually talking about the movie. <laughs> no, which but- is. Yeah, but for you, Scott, like you saw, um, what was the movie you just saw nine times or something like that? I saw something a lot. What was the, I I don't know. I think, well, I saw Batman excessively. I think it was like five or six times. So let's say you saw Batman like, I don't know, four or six times, something like that. So in each of those, you basically saw, what, four hours worth of trailers? Like, more like or you, less, you saw a mini series. Yeah. You saw a mini series yeah. of trailers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what's annoying is just that. Like, what I really hope they don't do. So, to go back to Nope, is that because I've seen that trailer so many times, if they release a second trailer with more shit than they've put in that one trailer, I am going to be fucking furious. They will, yeah. they will, yeah. and they will, won't they? They always do a second trailer. <sighs> I need to think of a better system. So I think if I'm not with you guys, or even if I am with you guys, I think what I'm going to start doing now is I have my headphones with me. I'm just going to literally wear my headphones and go on my phone yeah. until the movie starts and take it off and then go. Because go. like I can't, I can't. I'm I'm sick of it. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't. I don't want to see Nicole Kidman's fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to AMC. Hey. <laughs> okay well thanks for listening so far guys we will be back we're going to take a quick break when we get back we're going to talk spoilers for the watcher or rather watcher and we're back thanks for sticking around i uh, hope you enjoyed whatever random ass music i just played um, we're going to talk spoilers now. Um, not a ton of spoilers for this movie, but um, anybody have any? Um, I mean, did, is there anything that was kind of well, on your chest that you wanted to say? Yeah, let's um, for let's talk about the ending first because I think that's a, one of the more kind of exciting uh, parts of the movie. Um, cool. Did you ever? You think it was going to go kind of the way that it went down? You find out that that. Uh, Burn Gorman, I totally forget the, the name of his character if there is one. Um, mm-hmm. Shows up, kills a neighbor, and then basically um, goes on to kind of capture her 
and and spills the beans basically about about why he does what he does um and then you get you get this this uh scene where you think that she dies like you think that she, he slits her throat and she dies right there and it's over i was like wow i thought she died you thought she died yeah i thought there was no way they weren't going to use the gun I thought it was just it had to be used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they because, because the they Irina that, chick, like, yeah, she yeah, mentions it. Anytime that the, the camera points at something and mm-hmm. says, "This is this is a thing that's right here in a drawer," if they don't come back to mm-hmm. that, it's like, did you not go to like film one on one class? <laughs> if you point the camera at something, you got to use it later. So yeah, that was that yeah, was yeah. That foreshadowing was egregious. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they even kind of give a backstory to why the gun is even there. Uh, but I like the way that they used it. I like that he kind of came out of the apartment and someone else saw him. So you're thinking, oh, he there, he's going to have to deal with that situation. And then like she yep. comes up and shoots him, which I thought was really good. Um, I thought the use of the gun off screen, the fact that she did use the gun, but it was off screen is clever and it inverted that a little bit. Like, so like what Zach said is like, oh yeah, we know that she's got the foreshadowing. There's a gun in a drawer. Okay. We know that that's going to come back into it. And like the minute I saw that scene, I kind of groaned a little bit because I was like, okay, we're going to get the gun later on. Um, But for them to get to that point where I, what I thought was going to happen is I thought, I thought she was going to die and I thought that he was going to have a run in with her husband when he returned mm-hmm. and that would be like the climatic battle of the movie. Right. Um, in which case that would have been fine for me too. It would have been a bit of a downer ending, but it would have been at least interesting. You know what I mean? And then, but her using the gun off screen was very effective. Like the, the gunshot sound the pow, when he's yeah. standing there, mm-hmm. it was really good. Like it, it gave me that jolt where I was like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it I thought that was really good. Because the movie so, was so silent up until that point. Yeah. And then you get that pow, you yeah. know, out of nowhere. In a hallway. Mm-hmm. In a hallway, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Which I think is a great use of a gun. Mm-hmm. If you're going to use a gun in a movie that it, they, it's not an action movie, there's no guns. Like the gun should be super impactful when it's just, uh, when it's used because yeah. that's the how it is in in life, you know. So I think that was actually pretty good. I thought it was handled very well, and like that inversion of that trope, whereas like she's crawling away from him, the classic to try to get to the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't realize in advance that there's a gun in there, which is usually what happens. Like she would put a hand there and he would like grab a hand or something and then pull it away and get the gun. Mm-hmm. They didn't do, didn't go down that classic route, but it's to use it. And then to not use it was, it's could have also been effective. It could have been yeah. effective if she had a died and she just didn't get to that gun mm-hmm. because we all knew the gun was in there. That's a good use of the gun in the box too. Yeah. So I, th- I think she did a pretty good job with it. I think what, would have made it a terrible trope ending. I thought, you know, the husband, you know, here's the cell phone in the next room, you know, and he's making his way slowly out the apartment. I thought he would enter the apartment and somehow, you know, get into it with the watcher. And then she would somehow off camera shoot him right as he's about to kill the husband. So I was glad they didn't do that. And they did it the way they did it where, you know, the husband, kind of sees him right as he's shutting the apartment door and he looks over and then he starts to make his way towards him. And then, like he said, just those out of nowhere gunshots. I thought that was at least a, like he said, a strong ending compared to what they could have done formula wise. 
and just had the husband oh, 100%. just break in at the last second where she's breathing her last breath or whatever, that kind of thing. I think you're right. It was a really strong ending for what, you know, this movie was kind of building towards. I think if any, if they had given him any power, the husband at the end, it would have done a disservice to the story they're trying to tell. So if he had yeah. got to play any role as a hero, yeah. that would have been no, a disservice to her story. Yeah, he's the and worst. Like, so character. the fact that they kept it, yeah, exactly. In the in the fact that they they held true to that, and then and that's the killer the killer ending of the movie is when she looks at him and she's looking at him is it basically to say you're fu- like you're fucking useless. Yeah, that's kind of how she's like. I at told him, you so, and you didn't killer. believe me. Yeah. yeah, it's a killer last look. Now for for the movie, did you guys think in terms of his character being in the movie? I thought that if they went like the last night at Soho route, where it was just a single female in a new place that she's never been, especially with a different language, I thought for I thought maybe that could have added more of a suspense vulnerability. I don't know how you guys thought about that if it would if he wouldn't have been in it. Although there's scenes, oh, if you had to remove yeah, him. there's scenes you know where he's they're at the dinner parties and stuff. That's really important to her being you know secluded and felt left out but i feel like like you said he's such a monotonous character with his yeah, same old same old yeah his his character is pretty much irrelevant for the most part i mean he fills in like a little bit of the reasoning why um but his interactions don't really matter that much um when they go to the work party he's kind of a jerk the entire time you know just trying to kick like kiss up to the boss sort of thing um, he's not painted in the greatest light. And even when he's trying to be sympathetic, it's still not so much the case. So uh, I think, I think if, um, if they had written it to where she, maybe she goes there for work or she goes there for, um, yeah. a different reason and, the, and is trying to acclimate to the culture, I think might've worked a little bit better. Because there's no real stakes with him. He he doesn't really play a role in anything besides just being, I don't know, I, just kind of a, a jerky character. Yeah, he doesn't doesn't drive the story. I feel like he cuts all. down whenever she starts getting more, you know, she starts falling apart. He's kind of always there to like, it just dulls out the thrill and just makes it more. And it's like just her being sad and depressed rather than her getting, you know, it just, it he stops the franticness of like the storyline to me. He just kind of just slows it back down. Yeah. I think that's a good take though. I think like, um, if you were to remove him and have her being a single female, um, the stakes would feel a little bit, a little bit higher, a little bit more panicked anyway, because she would really be completely cut off then. But obviously then I suppose then people would be, why was she even there in the first place? So on and so forth. So like, I understand the narrative need for him to be there and also to tell what i think the, the the filmmaker's trying to say something too about men and women and i think she's trying to say something about that whole gaslighting between mm-hmm. men and women yeah and i think like so you need him in there to do that um but i think that like i think the movie just telegraphs its things incorrectly like for example so we know that there's a concurrent um serial killer operating um or we think it is because yeah. we have like they fight they they go on that date they come back home and there's a the the cops there in like uh they found a body okay so you get that red herring thing that classic like is this the red herring like they caught the killer so you don't have to worry about it anymore you don't have to worry about this guy across the street they caught the killer so it's like constant like is he isn't he is he isn't he 
more interesting for me would be just to ditch that altogether. Like, I don't, I don't know if that just confuses things or if it just makes it like the minute that we've, the minute that I heard that they found the serial killer, then I automatically made it answered the movie for me mm-hmm. because I was like, okay, then, then he is nefarious. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just, you know what I mean? You take that whole subplot out and it's him staring at her, then it becomes even more effective when he turns around and she goes, she's staring at me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you get that, like, that becomes even more effective. And then that places that, like, then we do start to question her a little bit and start to question her sanity. And that's when that becomes interesting. But the minute you have that serial killer thing and then you wrap it like that, it just gives it away too much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you you even really kind of need that that kind of that that serial killer storyline at all. It it's it I I don't want to say it's lazy or anything like that, but it's like oh, it's just a way to kind of write off your thinking about what's going on. And, and to me, it just it it didn't really kind of play with anything at all. Um, if we Let's talk about like that that police character because to me that was the that was um, I don't know if it was like unintentional. There was something about that character that just lightened the mood for me of of the of the movie, where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, this is what's going on. Let me go over there and talk to them. Oh, this is what's going on. Hey, why don't you guys just shake hands? And then we can just kind of call this a day. I think I talked about it afterwards. It was like that. That is just like not a like a typical kind of American interaction that you're gonna have with like day to day beat cop yeah. sort of thing. It was just. It was just kind of. Um, it was funny to me how how that whole situation played itself out, and you don't get that again. It it was like it was interactions like that. It was interactions with the ex-boyfriend who you're um, meant to believe is this abusive, like, asshole-type character who is... That's another kind of red herring. Oh, is it is it this guy? You know, you can interpret it like that because it's like, oh, he's violent. He has a violent tendency. Uh, he, he has an abusive tendency. He can snap at any moment. But then when she has that interaction with him, he's actually very helpful. He's very kind and... and almost empathetic and he wants to help her sort of deal. There's never a question of like, Oh, you're just a crazy person. He's like, okay, Mm -hmm. I can, I can help you with this sort of deal. So, um, it was weird that the smaller roles were more engaging to me than the actual characters that were having to follow through the whole thing. Oh yeah. 100%. Like the, everything you just said about the boyfriend, the ex-boyfriend is 100% true. Like, in, in, he was a breath of fresh air and I found myself getting reinvigorated by the movie when he was in it. Mm-hmm. Like, I almost wish she had more of a relationship with him and then and then that he was involved more slightly yeah. to, in, in, in the story just because, like, yeah, they set him up and you think he's just going to be a typical, like, uh, boorish, like, kind of, like, um, bully and he's just not not anything of the sort, which automatically makes his relationship with her, the the girl next door, their relationship mm-hmm. is suddenly very interesting because mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I want to know about that relationship because she's crazy, mm-hmm. and, but she's dynamic. And then he's not 
he's dynamic in a different way, which is really cool. Mm. So far more interesting. Even Eric, um, the when she, there's a pretty good scene where she's in the supermarket in um she's like she the the stalker comes into the supermarket and he's basically following around and they do some nice nice work with the security cameras there yeah. where they retell the story that goes on of him following her around and all of that was very effective and well done but then the interaction that she has when they go back and it's the uh the guy who works at the supermarket and he's like yeah i'll show you the cameras he's interesting yeah he's, he he seems like three-dimensional too all of a sudden <laughs> it's just a guy who works in a grocery store and then the policeman like you said uh, the policeman was like super off kilter and super weird and like super interesting. The other people that live in the building, that old lady who lost a cat yeah. and she's like looking for a cat mm-hmm. called Elvis, she's got it. She's kind of cool too. So like all of these other characters are really cool, yeah. But then you just take you have like the 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 formulaic like tropey stereotypes of these main actors in 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 a far more colorful world. Yeah, around them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will say in terms of like you know main character investment. You know, after they, you know, they say they capture the serial killer, the spider, I will say that one subway ride scene where the watcher is kind of explaining, you know, That's his life story and what, for a second, before you see the bag, for a second, mm-hmm. you're like, I'm, I might feel bad for this. This guy might just, just be looking out the window at people and say he might. Yeah. But then yeah. It, the way it focuses on the bag, you can see the silhouette that's in it. You're like, ah, nope. Yeah, this guy's got some bad intentions. <laughs> but that that was like was, good writing though, and it was a good performance. His voice, his voice in this yeah. movie is just it's creepy, but it's also very sympathetic almost. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, that that was an, a, a wasted opportunity because you're starting to flesh like that story, that the fact that he was like, I just sit in my room and I look out of the window and I didn't expect you to wave, but you wave back and for and as silly as it sounded, like I felt like, oh, there's a pretty girl who's acknowledged that I who I am, right? Interesting. Very interesting. Okay, yeah. Like not interesting is the fact that he works in a in a strip club and he's a janitor in a strip club. Yeah. And then it's like, of course. You know <laughs> course, what I mean? Like yeah. of course he is. You know? <laughs> like of course he's something creepy. Like he had to work in the sex industry or something like that. So like Every time they're doing something right, they they're also doing something. I think so they they do a good service for the character, then do a huge disservice for the character. So like for my money, um, get rid of the spider subplot, either get rid of the husband or have the husband almost be a non-entity. So the husband's the, the vessel for her getting there. The husband's off at work all the time and just have him not involved. Yeah, and then have her form either more of a relationship with her neighbor or her neighbor's ex-husband. Yeah. and have them t- team up and then don't give me the serial killer stuff and then b- be more vague about this guy and a little bit more vague about the, the interaction like you know is it them is it not them are they being crazy they're not being crazy like feed into that a bit more and then have it still cum- culminate the way it did which i think is perfect i think the ending is the perfect ending for this movie yeah they just they started really strong this the nailed the la- like the la- stuck the landing perfectly but they just lost it in the middle. So it's like, that's what they need to fix. Yeah. 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 Eric, Eric, I don't know what you thought or Scott, what you thought, but you know, after the ending and I'm thinking back, if she doesn't raise her hand to wave, do you, is there, if they could write that to where he's actually looking at her neighbor, the whole movie, that's who he's looking at. I thought that, that would that's like that kind of what I, I got once. Like I started thinking about, I was like, Maybe she would have been just fine, and maybe she was just crazy. If she hadn't waved, he wouldn't even notice her, perhaps. So mm. I thought about that. I thought that would have been kind of a good ending. 
like a good explanation. I thought that I thought they were going to tease that because there's a scene where she goes in the neighbor's house um, when she goes in looking for the cat and she goes around the corner and the first thing she looks up is we notice that her neighbor does not have curtains mm-hmm. and then she looks up and she sees that guy's room immediately. Okay, so then, yeah, in my head, I was like, oh, well, maybe that's what they're doing. The whole time he's just staring at the neighbor. He works with her in the strip club. She's a stripper. So he already has a relationship with her and he's clearly stalking her in those that interaction that she has with him on the subway, that interaction that she has with him in the grocery store. Um, All of those things. It just so happens that they live in the same neighborhood and it's a small neighborhood. You know what I mean? That that could have been cool, too. You know what I mean? That could have been super cool. They didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> We're never going to get the version of the movie we want. I know, I know. <laughs> um I I do think it's effective when it's effective though, for sure. And like um to to I mean those you brought up all the characters I wanted to speak about. Like I think all those characters are very dynamic. Um was there anything else that stuck out to you guys like um to do with the plot? Any inconsistencies or anything like that just didn't sit well with you? That's pretty much for for me at least. That that was pretty much it. Um, I did appreciate the kind of slow burn of it, um, because that's what they presented, and if that's what they want to wanted to present, I'm fine with that 100. percent But I would have been also fine with a little bit more kind of cat and mouse, maybe a little bit more faster camera, maybe a little bit more kind of uh, hurry up. With, yeah, with the story. I, w- I would have been yeah. completely fine with that too. But I mean, since this is kind of the, the pacing that they wanted to tell, that's fine. That's fine. Um, I think, and I don't know how you market that. I don't know how you say this is the, the it's going to be a slow burn. This is the type of movie, movie it's going to kind of be that way you can prepare yourself in a way, you know, for it. So, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of my only critique left for it. Other than that, you know, I think it's good to go. Do you think maybe that this trailer did the same thing that men did and kind of built it as a different type of movie? Cause men kind of built it up as it was going to be like a thriller horror. I didn't really see it as like a, a thriller horror the same way. I didn't see this movie as like a horror horror. So I don't know if like some people that went and saw it and maybe gave it bad reviews or didn't really like it, uh, if the trailer or like, you know, if that played a part in it. I don't know. I mean, I think like, um, well, let me ask you this, Zach, because Eric, I think you mentioned this after we saw the movie. Did you have anybody walk out, Zach, of your theater? No, not in this movie. Also, there was only two other people in the theater um, (laughs) and it was a couple. So I'm pretty sure they had, you know, they had picked this one out in particularly, so. Um, yeah, the okay. way, it wasn't like men where I had, you know, three or four people walk out on it. Yeah. Did you, so did we have people walk out, Eric? I, I didn't notice, did we? I mean, there was a guy who switched seats. I didn't see if, I didn't notice that anybody walked out on it. Okay, good. Because um, I can't imagine walking out of this movie. No. I can understand getting bored by it, but like, there's nothing egregious in the movie. There's nothing like, oh, I I don't think it, it's that dull that it would cause somebody to walk out. And I also don't think there's any content in there that would force somebody to walk out either because it's not very very violent. and It's effective in its violence when it is violent, but it's not like very violent. You know what yeah. I mean? So like, I yeah, I was just interested in that. But like in terms of like how that relates to what you were saying, Zach, about the, the, the way it's being advertised, I just think that 
they had to cut they have to cut a trail like that just to get horses and seats. Yeah, for I think sure. like they do. Like I mean and like I think it's it's a tough enough sell. I'm actually kind of amazed this movie got to the theaters. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm saying it didn't deserve to be, but just because of the movie that it is. Like I just I'm I'm shocked it made it all the way to theaters and I'm really happy that it did, but I think in order to get people they they had to like they had to cut this, they had to juice it up a little bit. I think bit. we're in like a really special era of independent films getting the push. And I think the pandemic helped that. But I feel like the next year or two you're gonna see movies that, you know, working at Hollywood video and the video store would have, you know, gone straight to D V D, even though they would have been awesome movies that nobody was seeing. I think they're getting a chance now. Um, just because there's a lot more open slots that theaters need to fill cinemas with. No, I 100% agree with that. I mean, like, the theater really, the AMC this year probably cares about, they care about Doctor Strange, they care about um, Thor, and then Black Panther, and then Top Gun. And then other than that, they're probably like, okay, well, that's only four movies in the whole year. So, like, mm-hmm. we've got 20, 20 theaters, like 20 screens in this theater. So, like, yeah, let's just fill it up. And, and because of a lot of these mid-tier Hollywood, like a lot of your like lower budget, like rock action movies or those kind of movies, a lot of those couldn't get made during COVID. Yeah, you're right. It's like golden period where it's like you get all these these movies that didn't have huge production um, issues. But being they're able so to just awesome. Get them out. Yeah. So, yeah, I know. It's, it's, a, it's a really good time. I hope it lasts. I don't know. We'll see. I think it's very in the air, the future of what's going to happen with movie theaters right now. Mm-hmm. Um but I hope we can at least ride this wave that we're on a little longer and still get to go and see everything everywhere all at once and still get to see Watcher, still get to see movies like Men, you know what I mean? And then next week, if you want to see Jurassic Park, you can't, you know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I was actually surprised that we got to see that Nick Cage movie. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a few years ago, this doesn't make it. Yeah, I, that goes like straight to streaming or or whatever. Redbox. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like three or four years ago, the Green Knight doesn't get. No, um, it get the Green Knight goes to the Bell Court, and that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. So like, I knew I knew when the Green Knight opened wide. That to me was the biggest indicator that things were changing when the Green Knight opened wide because I was like, that's crazy that I can go and see. I remember when you told me that. Uh, we were because we were talking about it before the movie came out, and I, I distinctly remember when you text me and you're like, "Oh, Green Knight's showing it such and such at our AMC," and I almost had to check my phone. And then since then, it seems like everything I want to see, I get a ch- I'm getting a chance to see it at my AMC, which is wild, you yeah. know. So I am thankful for that, and like thankful that people are making movies like Watch It, and um, it's it's flawed it's it's decent it's let's just say it's decent i I still don't think it's a a bad movie i think um there's probably a lot to like in there for people um you know and i'm i'm excited to see what the director does next that'll be interesting um micah monroe um i'm very much in love i think she's great um so i'm happy that she's making movies again i'll follow her career um so i got i got some i got I got my t- my AMC subscription out of it easily. It was worth it. Yeah. <laughs> it was worth my yeah. time. Yeah, you know? it was definitely worth, worth the time. time. Worth the time. Yeah. Okay, so should we wrap it on Watcher? I think so. Sounds good. Okay. So next up, um, well, we're in a, in a pickle right now because there's nothing opening next weekend. It, this weekend is Jurassic Park, and I take it all of us are super da, not interested da, in da, Jurassic Park. Da, 
I know Zach, you probably might see it with your nephews, but other than that, like, that's I don't that, really if they scary. come up from Alabama, I will go take them to that. Yeah, <laughs> I should imagine that'll be fun with the kids. But um, so we'll not be doing Jurassic Park, unfortunately, to everybody listening. Um, what are we going to do next? I think we're probably going to cover a streaming release, and there's a movie that was recently released called The Innocents. Um, oh yeah, that is yeah. A, a pretty special movie. Um, so I'm not going to say anything about it. Um. Look it up, Google it if you want to watch the trailer. Um, watch the trailer, or just don't watch the trailer. Just go and rent it. You can rent it right now at six ninety nine. It's a premium rental. Um, the movie did bypass theaters. Yeah. Again, that's weird to me. Like I don't I understand think, how the Innocence didn't make theaters. I think it went to the Bell Court. Watch it. I, I think it's actually playing okay. in the Bell Court right now. Um, but when you, if if you do want to watch it, the Innocence, just make sure that you. Um, it's a two. It's a twenty twenty two. There, there is maybe one or two other movies called The Innocence or just Innocence. So yeah. it's, um, mm-hmm. what is it, Norwegian? Norwegians? I yeah, think. it's the same writer from uh, The Worst Person in the World. Well, yeah, or one exactly. of those writers. Exactly, yeah. 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 So uh, that'll be the next movie that we cover. Um, so look for that. We'll do a, a big full episode on that. Um, other than that... Um, before we head off, just to wrap it up in traditional movies last night style, has anybody got any recommendations for anything they've seen that they want to give a shout out to? Um, I just finished the Hulu um, series uh, Pistols about the Sex Pistols. Uh, it's like six episode, like uh, based off of Steve Jones's biography. Um, I enjoyed it. I mean, I've heard a lot of like back and forth, like. People don't like it. People did back. It's just going to be up to your own personal taste. I just, I enjoy that. Um, those, those types of like movies and TV shows that have kind of a, like a true story kind of bend, especially with the, in the industry. Um, so I really enjoyed it. I liked all the all performances, even though some of them were a little bit kind of uh, over the top. It was still entertaining. Um, I watched Zero Dark Thirty, which I think is great, and um, and the uh, I watched The Innocents, which we'll get into. Okay, Zach, how about you? Uh, so I only watched one new one, but I did. Uh, HBO's got all the Rambo, so everybody watch Rambo. <laughs> um, oh, what was it? Has HBO got like every Rambo, like all the way to like six? No, nah, they just have the uh, first three original ones. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh my goodness, I've forgotten what I watched. Oh, that's what it was. It's on YouTube. Uh, it's called The History of Metal slash Documentary. Uh, it's by this metal fan who ends up being, he's a rock journalist, but he breaks every type of metal out into like this bracket. And kind of goes <laughs> section by section on different types of bands and you know where they influence in the terms of you know modern rock or metal. But it was just cool mm-hmm. to kind of see like this Black Sabbath, and you go into the '80s and you go into the '90s, and like the '80s, there's like seven different types of metal. You know, there's death oh, metal, yeah. there's hair metal, there's arena rock. So I'm just I like music documentaries, and that was one that just was just really entertaining. It's only like an hour long, but it was really good. So yeah. That sounds fun. I'd like that. Um, for me, um, I had COVID 
um, unfortunately. And the last episode we recorded was just before I tested positive, And I knew I felt like crap when we recorded the last episode. Um, so I had an opportunity to watch a lot more movies than I normally would get to, uh, just because I was sitting around the house a lot. So I, I saw a ton of movies. Uh, noticeable shout-outs for movies that I did watch that I uh, enjoyed. I really enjoyed the movie with Mark Rylance called um, The Outfit, which is now streaming. I watched a lot of these on Paramount Plus because I get Paramount Plus... Oh, sorry, Peacock. I get Peacock free with my uh, cable subscription. And it just so happens that they're dumping a ton of movies on Peacock right now. Um, but The Outfit is like a set in like... I guess like the 40s, late 40s in Chicago. And it's a, a mob thriller based, small location based in like a um, a clothing store, like a, a men's tailors. Um, and it's like very, very few actors. Um, it's almost based, it looks, it feels like it's a play that's been converted into, you know what I mean? Like they've taken a stage play and made it into a movie. Um, very, very good. Um, good twist ending. Like actually, it's actually really good. It's a high recommend for me. Um, and then I knocked out the Michael Bay movie Ambulance, which is something else. Any I'll good, say that much. Um, it, what's really interesting about Ambulance is you have Jake Gyllenhaal, like, turning it to, like, level 17 out of 10. Like, he's just <laughs> cranked the Gyllenhaal. And he's like, Gyllenhaal's perfect in it. And, like, I just love him. And he's, he's just great. He's really, really good in it. And his character's fun and trashy and, like, psychotic. Um, the action is almost it's really hard it's it's the biggest sin of ambulance is it's way too long it's like two hours and like 20 minutes or something Mm. it feels like it takes forever but bear in mind that the action starts within two minutes and it never stops for like two hours it's exhausting it's almost exhausting in bay's pulling out all these tricks he's using way i watched it with my wife valerie and she said something really funny she was like um is this whole movie filmed on drones and i was like (laughs) you would think so because he uses the drone cameras and he'll do like it's just the camera never sits still throughout that whole movie and it's exhausting it's like exhausting the action is good when when you can follow what's happening and there's a lot of practical effects and a lot of like helicopter chases and like cars Mm -hmm. smashed into you know what i mean bay is obviously very very good at that he's very good Mm -hmm. at car chases specifically bay um but the problem is is it's just it's too much it's like you need to chill the fuck out and like cut (laughs) that movie down and like tell a bit more of a story but then like chill out you, you, it, it, the movie's fine if you have like ADHD or something and you, you, you need constant like camera changes <laughs> other than that it's like it's too much it's intense so sounds like it gave it's me a an light a, epileptic fit yeah pretty much it's a light recommend I watched a ton of other movies I watched the new Ghostbusters movie I watched um, the new Harry Potter movie that Fantastic Beasts which is awful um, just very dull although Jude Law in it is very good the rest of the movie is like really really dull um the only other movie of note, and it's an older movie, is um, I rewatched Talented Mr. Ripley, which nice. is just mm-hmm. like talk about everybody being like in their absolute A game. Like Matt Damon is like, it's like prime, like Goodwill Hunting era, like prime peaked Matt Damon. You have Gwyneth Paltrow very much at the height of her career. Jude Law on his ascendancy into like yeah. superstardom in Jude Law there could not be better casting for that movie than Jude Law he is absolutely perfect uh, is is for Dickie Greenleaf I think that's his yeah. name of his character you can't get better casting Philip Seymour Hoffman oh, who I was, plays uh, I was gonna say yeah Philip Seymour Hoffman in that so good just 
so good. When Philip Seymour Hoffman comes in that movie, you will remind. It's like every time you see James Gandolfini in a movie, yeah. in a movie, and you're like, oh my god, James Gandolfini is an amazing actor. Mm-hmm. Hoffman is he's such a fucking good. It's out of control. Like Damon is really good in the movie. Like perfectly cast. Like it's just an interesting. It's just interesting that you have all of these people who are like pitch perfect casting in that movie the movie's beautiful it's all it takes place all over like what's it like south of france um or like uh italy it's in italy too um yeah it's italy um just beautiful locations beautiful people just it's such a good movie it's it's superb um is that anthony Minghella? it is that movie yeah yeah r.i.p great movie great (laughs) is he dead now yeah (laughs) eric's like yeah definitely dead yeah yeah he's definitely there oh well yeah so talon mr ripley yeah that's i mean you've probably everybody's probably seen that movie but of all the movies i watched i'm not going to i'm not going to mention my thoughts on innocence because i did watch that but um of all the other movies i watched the talon mr ripley was just like in a different league just a different league Mm -hmm. like not even not even the same medium you know what i mean yeah (laughs) i I watched it uh i want to say i watched it earlier this year and um it was yeah. It's it's such a good movie. It's a, they don't make they don't make those type of it. It's it might be cliche to say, but it seems like they don't make those types of movies anymore. Oh, they just yeah, they do not. Even when they made that movie, I feel like they weren't making those type of movies anymore because it, it it plays obviously like a forties fifties like classic. Yeah, like yeah. you know what I mean. Like Very you, much so. you would swap out Jude Law with like Cary Grant or something. Uh, that's you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. 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 Um, so huge recommend. And then other than that, uh, we've taken up enough of your time as it is i've got to switch my ac on um thanks eric thanks zach another great episode it's been a charm as always um thank you everybody for listening sticking around hope you enjoyed it please send us some feedback i'm not gonna ask you again okay uh, thanks like subscribe and write a review yeah do that (laughs) yeah do that because apparently that's a big deal so if you like the show only if you like the show, though. If you don't like the show, don't leave any. <laughs> so if you like the show, please leave a nice... Uh, specifically, I believe that counts for Apple, like for um, yeah, Apple yeah. Podcasts. Do, do, uh, do the review star thing and write a review. We should we should yeah. probably say this at the beginning of the episode. So- <laughs> yeah, but I I don't want to get... I, I don't want it like that to be in people's mind when they start yeah. listening. They're like, yeah, I am going to leave a review, motherfucker. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to tell you about it when you get to the two-hour mark because you must like it because you sat through for two hours. That's so. true. Well, maybe we should do it like yeah. 15 minutes in. Maybe we do that. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll get professional one day. Okay, thanks, guys. Take care. See you.